Thanks so much to Fritz and the team. I just love some of those um, words. We declared so much faith and so much truth. It didn't really need anything else today, really. If you just summed up everything that we've sung, we've really sung the gospel message and why we can be here um, rejoicing together today. But anyway, we've got 20 minutes, so we're going to carry on. And um, we started a series last week um, called Simply. And um, if we could have the PowerPoint up, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, and I don't know if there's anyone here who's six years old. Can you put your hand up if you're six? Yes, one, two, three six-year-olds today. That's fantastic. And probably some around that age. Well, when I was six years old, I remember still very vividly um, listening to a very old man. He had absolutely white hair and was quite small and wrinkly. And um, he was telling us, a um, group of young children in a room, how much Jesus loved us. And I can remember he stretched out his arms and he sort of just demonstrated how much Jesus loved us on the cross. And I said yes to Jesus when I was six. And um, in my little six-year-old heart that day, I believe Jesus came to live with me. And he's been um, with me ever since, my friend, my guide. And I think that's why I love the title of this series called Simply, because it is that simple that a six-year-old heart can understand enough to, to know Jesus. So last week, um, Steve start, did a, started off the series by talking about Simply Loved. And you probably remember very clearly um, Steve's illustration of having the last Rolo. And only in the way that Steve can, he ran around with Rolos and... Um, reminded us that um, Jesus actually did much more than give us his last Rolo. He gave us his life. And that's um, how he showed the extent of his love for us. So today we're going to move on to Simply Rescued. And I'm going to get you to work through this talk. So this isn't me talking for 20 minutes. I'm going to be stopping at various points and there's going to come a task on the screen. Now, if you are sitting next to someone that you can talk with, that is great. Some people prefer to sort of just think on their own. Dave is coming round with um, a sheet with the questions on. Can you put your hand up if you would prefer just to sit and take notes rather than chat with someone? Because you can, if you're sort of an introvert, you sometimes like to process on your own. So if you would rather jot notes down and than chat... Put your hand up and Dave will bring you a piece of paper. I think we're a church of extroverts. That's fantastic. If you don't want one, that's even better. So stick, stick with the person that you're going to talk to. Oh, there's a couple of hands over here. <laughs> okay. Um, so stick with the same person that you chat through because you're sort of going to build on the things that you share with each other. Okay. So um, we're going to start off, if we can have task one up, I want you, first of all, to think of a time you have experienced being rescued. What did you need rescuing from? Who rescued you? And what was the outcome? Just to get your juices flowing, um, my story is Dave and I and the children lived in Turkey. And I remember a vivid occasion going up the mountain in a minibus needing chains, not having any chains, skidding all over the place on the snowy mountain. And out the side of a road from nowhere, a guy appeared and offered us chains to buy for our van. 
and I don't know whether he was an angel or not, but um, we bought them, put them on, and carried our journey up the mountain. So discuss with your neighbor, what was your experience of being rescued? Okay, if you can bring your rescue stories to a, to a close. Okay, your rescue stories are so exciting, you can't hear me. Okay, Fritz, I know your rescue story is really exciting. He's still not listening to me. <laughs> I know, we've got to move on. Okay, keep, keep that story in your mind, okay? We're going to read the scripture now from Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. This won't really come across as a, maybe immediately as a, a rescue story to you, but we're going to unpack it a little bit together. Okay, so Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 4 up on the slides. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So in these verses, we just read that Jesus came down from the mountainside, and it's always really good to get context when you're reading a story. What was he doing up the mountain that he'd just come down from? Well, he hadn't been doing a fundraising charity hit the peak within 24 hours challenge and he hadn't been taking photos to stick on Instagram. He had been preaching a very long sermon. And if you want to read it for yourselves, you can start right at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 and go right through to the end of Matthew chapter 7, and you can read the sermon. And it ends just as our story comes in. So I think it's important for us, because these people in this story, some of them at least, would have heard this sermon. So what was Jesus talking about? It was actually the most challenging message they would ever have heard in their lives. They would have heard Jesus teach them how to live as salt and light in a dark society, how to live in harmony and community without hating or murdering or divorcing or causing to divorce, how they should go the extra mile, love their enemy, live lives more exemplary than the most religious of the religious, how they should be perfect, perfect. 
In my school that I've actually just left, I was working there for three years, we would receive an email every week from the head's PA. And we were encouraged to nominate someone anonymously who we thought deserved the ABCD award. And that was the above and beyond the call of duty award. So you, if you had someone that had helped you that week, bought you a cup of coffee when you were stressed, marked a set of books for you, covered your class without moaning, you could nominate them um, anonymously by replying to the PA in the email. And later on in the week, you'd find a certificate in your pigeonhole signed by the head saying, well done. But sometimes someone would make a mistake and they would hit reply all. And the whole school would know who was nominating who for what and, and when. And it sort of spoiled the, the whole point of it. And Jesus was calling these people up the mountain to be worthy of an anonymous ABCD award. He said, don't let others see when you give your money away. Don't let others see when you pray or fast. Keep your eye on your heavenly bank balance. Keep your eye on future shares. And he also said, don't worry, don't judge, just knock, seek, ask. Treat others like you want to be treated. Walk on the narrow path that leads out into spacious, open, eternal life. And he finishes with a warning to be wise and to put his sermon into action, to live out his words. The disciples were really amazed. The crowds were dazzled and they were saying, what wisdom is this? We've never heard anything like this before. What a teacher. Now, just think, these people are the people that are just going to witness this story. So I want you to turn to your neighbor now, and um, I want you to imagine now that you are the, the, down the mountain, okay? And in verse 2, it says, a man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So if you met Jesus what would you ask him to change about your life? What would you ask him to rescue you from? So you just got one minute, chat to your neighbor. If that was you that met Jesus at the bottom of the mountain, what would you ask Jesus to change about your life or rescue you from? One minute. Okay, if we draw our conversations to a close. Thank you. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about the leper, okay? We know that this leper was an outcast. He was most likely, in a very obvious way, covered in sores. His skin would have been white and lumpy and horrible. Um, leprosy can cause a disfigurement and deformities. We don't know quite what stage his leprosy was at. 
If you had this disease, you became ugly and scary. People around you started to use the hands-face space rule. They, they remain in isolation until you prove your negative rule. In fact, the rules were very complicated. And you thought COVID rules during the pandemic were complicated. Let's read this verse from Leviticus 13. Okay, so these were the rules given through Moses for anyone that had any kind of this skin disease. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he has to cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Not you'll spend 10 days in your bedroom with meals left outside the door. Not wear a face mask in Morrison's or stand two meters distance when you're queuing at the chemist. This is you will be in isolation for the rest of your life. The fear of catching leprosy wasn't about the contagion, it was about the consequence. You would be a social outcast. You would be, have a no-cure prognosis. And the worst thing, you'd be asking yourself, because this is what people thought, why is God punishing me? And there'd be loads of gossip flying around. What has this person done? So here was the outcast, living on the edge of humanity, begging for scraps, longing for love, aching for acceptance, what did he do? Well, we read in verse 2, he said, Lord, and knelt down. He probably actually threw himself down. He wasn't just saying Lord in the way we say Lord when we start to pray. This Lord was an acknowledgement of Jesus' power. This leper had either seen or heard some of the amazing miracles that Jesus had done. He was desperate. He wanted family. He wanted friends. He wanted to be included, not excluded. And the leper and the outcast, this unclean misfit, he hadn't even been up the mountain to hear Jesus say, ask and it will be given you. He asks. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can and you are able to make me clean. Let's read the, between the lines of what he was saying. He was saying, please save me from this wretched existence, which is hardly a life at all. Get rid of this publicly humiliating, life-limiting, society-sickening, community-destroying disease and clean me through so that I am friendship-forming ready, ready to be a next-door neighbor, ready to build robust relationships again. Not such an irrelevant prayer for today, is it? Jesus, are you willing? Do you want to do this for me? I know you can, you are miracle working, prophet God, but do you want to? Okay, over to you guys now for the next question. Think back to the thing that you've just chatted about that you want to rescue from. What is harder for you? Is it harder for you to believe that Jesus can rescue you, or is it harder for you to believe that he wants to rescue you? Okay, 30 seconds.
Okay. I'm sure that discussion could go on a long time. There's a, there's a lot that you could unpack from a question like that. But the crowd at this point, if you think about it and you put your mind in the story, they were watching and waiting to see what Jesus would do. What was Jesus going to do with this leper who was asking to be cleaned? Now, they've got the words that followed them down the mountain still ringing in their ears, whispering to them of a higher calling. Love your enemies. Love your neighbor. Don't judge. Be better than those that think they're the best. Before we read what Jesus replied, first notice what he did. Before he even uttered a word, he reached out, he touched. The waiting and watching crowd of disciples and those townsfolk held their breath. Touching a leper? Did he really need to? No bottles of hand sanitizer available, no antibacterial wet wipes to wipe and cleanse after. Have you ever had to touch something unclean or someone unclean? How did it make you feel? 30 seconds, chat with your neighbor. Okay, so we don't get too squirmish thinking about this. We'll move on. Okay, this act of Jesus spoke a thousand words. It said, I want to. It said, I am willing. And in fact, it's a bit like an aside in a play, the fact that he actually, just for the benefit of the audience, said it out loud. I am willing. Be clean. Can you feel the relief of that leper? He does want to. He wants to clean me. And then we read in verse 3, immediately. Don't you love those immediate rescues in the Bible? Let's think of a few more. Immediately she straightened up. Immediately they received their sight. Immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately his mouth was opened. Immediately he stood up and picked up his mat. And here we have another immediate rescue. Not waiting hours in A&E or months on a, a waiting list to see a GP counselor or have an MRI scan. Although, as Yendis and Kara and others can um, testify, there's grace in the waiting too. Not waiting to see you if you've made it, been successful, got the grade, got your GCSE or A-level results you need. No, this is immediate and full rescue right now, here, no sign of the disease ever having been there at all. Complete healing. Task for you to think about. Have you ever experienced an immediate answer to prayer? If yes, how did that shape your faith? And if no, how has that shaped your faith? Discuss 30 seconds.
Okay, you're going to have to chat more on that over coffee because we're running out of time. Let's go back to the story. Okay, verse 4. What does Jesus tell the ex-leper? Ex-leper now, absolutely no scars, no missing toes, no white lumps, and the priest is going to do a, a thorough check. Jesus says, don't tell, show. As was required by the law of Moses, this leper was now to go to the priest and get the priest to give him a full, clean bill of health. Bear witness to your cleansed life, Jesus says. Let your life do the talking. Give your gratefulness the gift of the gab in deeds and actions. Now, I want you to think of this leper now back in society, clean, whole, saved, purpose, loved, rescued. He's going to live it out. With your neighbor, 30 seconds, I want you to imagine that you weren't able to tell anybody of the amazing thing that Jesus has answered in your prayer that you might have already discussed. How could you show it through your gratefulness, through actions and deeds? Go. Okay, so in conclusion then, we're left with a really big question. Really, in this story, who was it that needed rescuing most? Was it the excluded, rejected, marginalized, disease-ridden leper, or was it the sermon-listening, mountain-climbing, crowd-following people? Well, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, that we all need rescuing. I can testify that the word is true and deserves to be received by all. For Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life, even me, the worst sinner of all. No distinction made here, leper or no leper. Why did the outcast wait for Jesus to come down the mountain to ask him to rescue him from his purposeless, meaningless existence? Why didn't he ask one of the disciples who hung around Jesus? or one of those really religious tassel and tunic-wearing glum-looking guys. Because this outcast knew that Jesus, Joshua, or Jehoshua, Jehovah my help, Jehovah my rescue, was simply his only possible savior. As it says in that verse in Timothy, for Jesus Christ came into the world to bring sinners back to life. No one else, Jesus Christ. Jesus died to rescue us. He died to win our freedom, forgive our sins, rescue us from the kingdom of darkness and a future without him. He is our rescuer. He had to say yes to the suffering, yes to the thorns, yes to the nails. He had to say no to being rescued himself by angels as he hung, dying on the cross. Like the leper, we can ask Jesus to rescue us. We can be rescued from a future punishment 
and the present life of isolation, exclusion and rejection. We can be brought in, brought into friendship with God and all God's friends, brought into family and brought into purpose. We need to believe that Jesus can and Jesus wants to. It's that simple. John Newton, the captain of slave ships, who, who he wrote that amazing song, Amazing Grace. But before he wrote that song, he was the captain of, of many slave ships and he traded in human cargo. Towards the end of his life, he said, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great saviour. So there are only two groups of people, I think, in church today or watching online. Those of us who have been rescued and those of us who still need rescuing. Which group do you belong to? If you have been rescued, how are you showing it, living it out, bearing witness of a cleansed life? And if you haven't asked Jesus to rescue you yet, what's stopping you? He can and he wants to. Thanks. Thank you.